Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 17. Recorded November 3rd, 2018. On this episode, I speak with Anthony Arias. Anthony Arias wants to be your New York State Senator for New York's 26th District. His district includes all of Lower Manhattan, Brooklyn Heights, parts of Red Hook, and Williamsburg. Anthony wants to run for Senate because he feels that there needs to be a change on how politics is done. Less about partisanship and more about the constituency. He is a business owner and entrepreneur. In 2017, Anthony became president of Greenwich Village Chelsea Chamber of Commerce. And in 2018, he became a board member of Community Board Number 1. He understands the needs of not only his district, but the needs of the city as well. He believes a centrist approach is the best way to achieve success. He believes that he will successfully represent not only New York's 26th district, but New York as well. On Wednesday, October 31st, Anthony and I sat down to have a conversation about the MTA. We talked about the impending L train shutdown, funding, fair fares, congestion pricing, communication, tax abatements, and several other topics. After my conversation with Anthony, I will provide a summary of what we learned, also my thoughts on what we learned, plus contact information for Anthony and myself. Please enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Anthony Arias. Anthony Arias wants to be your New York State Senator for New York's 26th district. His district includes all of Lower Manhattan, Brooklyn Heights, parts of Red Hook, Greenpoint, and Williamsburg. Anthony wants to run for Senate because he feels there needs to be a change on how politics are done. Less about partisanship and more about his constituency. He is a business owner and an entrepreneur. In 2017, Anthony became president of Greenwich Village Chelsea Chamber of Commerce. And in 2018, he became a board member of the Community Board One. Thank you for being on the podcast. Right, thank you for having me. One thing New Yorkers can agree on is that the MTA is in critical condition. It needs to be talked about, hence the podcast. Mm -hmm. That way it can be said out loud. That way it can be dealt with. I have a a few specific questions regarding the MTA. And if there are any specific issues you'd like to address, feel free to bring them up. Sure. Have you read Andy Byford's plan, Fast Forward? What are your thoughts on it? And how do you think it will be helpful at this time? Um, I've read bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. It is quite comprehensive. So um, now I, I'm supportive of anybody that's coming into uh, New York City and the MTA to try and change what's been going on. I think for too long it's been neglected. Yes. Um, and a lot of corruption and backdoor pay-to-play, pay-to-play deals. Um, so now at least we have somebody here. And now knowing about his experience in, I believe it was Toronto and London, um, and the way that he's able to turn around those systems, and I have some confidence in what he's looking to do. Okay. Um, but I think it's a good first step in the right direction. I, it's like, I think it's a little light on details, and I think it's a good start. Exactly. It's like it's some it's 
it's we've had nothing for so long that someone showed up with hey it's some and we're all like ooh something well it's the fact that anybody had a plan it, it could have been a one page plan saying I'll fix it I'm like oh my god somebody put it in writing and we're let's do it just tell me how you're gonna do it that's all that's all we need to know is how you're gonna do it and how long it's gonna take although I think their 10 year timeline is a little wishful thinking it's gonna take longer than that I think they'd be I wish they'd be a little bit more honest about that mm -hmm. but I think they're just saying 10 years to appease us but it, we'd appreciate it if it's like 15 to 20 we'd be like okay well with all of our experience as New Yorkers <laughs> especially with the second avenue line we know that uh, we always yeah, this, the 80 year double old, it <laughs> the 80 year old fever dream and you know east side access has been going on forever a prior podcast was about the emotional costs of the MTA stressors mm -hmm. triggers it struck a nerve with some people and right now the L train shutdown is causing major stress both on both sides of the river right and they've come up with a plan that not everybody likes given that Sandy happened six years ago and the best they came up with right now is an armada of diesel buses and some ferries mm -hmm. how would you like to address the poor planning communication regarding the L train shutdown and what would you like to see with the L train shutdown uh, well, to start off, you know, I feel like uh, what's going on a lot right now here in New York is it's the limited community involvement in any of these types of planning moving forward. Um, uh, specifically, you know, we have the army of uh, diesel buses that will be going down, and the way that the city decided to have everything coming down Kenmare Street, um, you know, they, didn't take any, I feel like they don't take into consideration what's going to happen not just on the small businesses but the people living there. Um, and two, you know, what about the air pollution with all these diesel buses? Um, a lot of people forget that New York City is uh, out of compliance with the Clean Air Act. It has been for years. You know, we've had some marginal gains to improve it, but you know, we're on our path to you know, becoming uh, as bad as L.A. Um, and adding on, uh, was it about a bus a minute, yeah. a little under than that, um, isn't going to help alleviate any of those um, pollutants into the air. And I think it's going to deter a lot of the sidewalk traffic and uh, small businesses in the area. Well, the problem is, the, the fact is, as you know, many neighborhood organizations had to sue to get any information. It's like they said, okay, after Sandy, we understand that there was lots happening, and they were like, okay, this is, we're going to, structurally, we're going to have to shut this down and make it better. And then nothing for like a year and a half. And then everyone's like, okay, well, how is this working out? It's like, oh, we're just going to do a bunch of buses. Right. And then, well, it just kind of like popped up out of nowhere. And then, one day. And then, it was just like, oh, then, we're closing it in April, surprise. And, and we're then, like, uh, And then dead silence. And then this has been going on for years. Pockets of information that just stress the whole city out, especially out of Brooklyn, because once you get out of Brooklyn, and the problem with all, the, the village isn't set up for this kind of vehicular traffic. It's still well, the old school, not like the grid system mm -hmm. that most of Midtown is in the uptown. It's the old school curves and whatnots. And think about like potholes and sinkholes and all of that stuff that's gonna be caused with all that new vehicular traffic. Right. And plus the ferries that are apparently now gonna be run also by the MTA and the DOT. And you're just kind of like, okay, I trust the DOT. <laughs> I trust them. I don't necessarily trust the MTA <laughs> running ferries. Right. Because well, the DOT runs the Staten Island Ferry, and that's going pretty good. So yeah, pretty much, you can count on it to be there every half hour, or is it every half or fifteen minutes? Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of the problem, though, is the opaqueness behind the entire process, uh, not just for the L train shutdown, but the whole MTA. Well, that's another thing I want to bring up: communication. There's such an aversion to communication, and I've spoken to Blake Morris, who ran for Senate. Mm -hmm in Brooklyn and he was part of a kitchen cabinet sort of thing. He's a lawyer, but he worked mm -hmm. with MTA in terms of policy in the eighties. And as I found out during that podcast, it's like the lack of communication is by design. 
They don't want to send out bad information or incorrect information, so they just don't send out any information. The problem with that is there's six million people underground who are just trying to get from point A to point B. Well, I think that's just a cop-out answer to say, like, oh, we don't want to give out incorrect information or, or, or uh, you know, I would say, in-development information. I think that people would be more appreciative of knowing yeah. what's happening. If we say, hey, we're shutting down the L train in two years, no, uh, we don't have all the answers yet, but here's kind of like where our thoughts are at the beginning. No, we'll have a town hall in a month or no, every quarter or something. That was another get... thing that drove me nuts. It's like because it took Corey in, in the city hall mm -hmm. to actually set up a town hall where he listened to every single person and every single issue that they had, whereas the MTA never did a town hall. They never spoke to any of us. They just sort of did this and said, well, this is how it's going to be. And it's just mm -hmm. like, you're impacting literally just 400,000 people on the train, let alone citizenry who are just trying to live their lives. Right. Well, not just the train too, but like all the added traffic from the buses now, uh, all the congestion you're going to be creating there on both sides they're gonna of get the city. And I, they're going to get stuck behind like garbage trucks, school buses in the yeah, morning. Well, the heavy commercial, you no, know, that's already going through there, trucks mm -hmm. and uh, you know, to feed up the small businesses, how's that going to impact the small businesses? The quality of life, you know, how much you know, pollution is going to be there, smog that's going to be coming out from all these diesel buses. At the very least, and I know a lot of those communities around there have been pushing back on the DOT and MTA to kind of figure out a more economical route for at least all these buses. I mean, everyone understands that the L train needs to be shut down. Right. It, it sucks, but, you know, it's something that we have to deal we, with. We but. all understood the severity of Sandy. We all understood that there was structural damage. We mm -hmm. all understand that in order to fix it properly, you have to shut it down. The problem is when you're affecting 400,000 people, it's going to affect every line coming out of Brooklyn and Queens because mm -hmm. now a lot of people are talking about taking the G train into Queens to take it to go on the Overburden 7 line. Mm -hmm. So now you're affecting Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. So it's just like, and they're all making these choices by themselves. They're not waiting for the MTA anymore. They're just like, you can't come up with a plan. So we're going to come up with a plan. We've become our own advocates, so to speak. Well, it's sad, though, that, that uh, you know, a lot of our government isn't really doing anything to address those issues. And it's not just the MTA. It's a lot. Of, I mean, look at the, the new jails um, that are going up here in the city, too. Those have been pushed through without proper community input. No, it, it's something that um, I don't think this is just a one-off thing. And it's something that needs to be addressed, you know, just throughout the entire government overall to kind of force that transparency. Yeah. You know, coming up, you know, in this case, you know, Albany is the one that has that power to you know, really reform a lot of things um, and, and, and push New York to you know, be a part of that reform um, so that we can have that communication, so that the community can be involved, so that you know, we're not scrambling at the last minute, you know, having you know, no idea what's going on, or two, a bad plan comes up that nobody's happy with. You know, at least if you open up the communication, we already know it's going to be a sucky situation, but let's come to a compromise you know, where we're at least kind of happy, right. but no one's great. You know, the city's not happy, but you know, we're all somewhere in the middle, but that we've been able to work together uh, along the way. A lot of this, at least for me, I, you know, I live in downtown, and... Um, take the subways every day, uh, no, I, I would feel better if there was just no, uh, more of that relationship with our government, not us versus them, because that's what it feels like. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Let's talk accessibility. Our disabled citizens are not being accommodated. Currently, 22% of stations have elevators. Overall access across all rail lines is 40%. While Byford's plan calls for 70 more elevators, it still leaves more than half of the stations without one. Accessoride picks up some of the slack, but not enough. 
How would you like to address that? I think a lot of that comes from fine, going through with a fine tooth comb the, um, the whole MTA bureaucracy um, and the budgeting process. Uh, I do think that there is a lot of pay-to-play that's going on within there. Um, since Cuomo declared the state of emergency, it's actually skirted around a lot of the typical bid process that um, the contractors would have to go through. I think it's inflated costs artificially. And I think if we were to go through the whole MTA budget and the practice, find where the redundancies are, the inefficiencies are, and come up with um, the savings, um, you know, let's say in this case, no, ideally we want to try and find the 10% savings, 5% savings, whatever the number ends up being. No, take that number and then be able to apply it in a transparent bid process mm-hmm. um, to uh, where we could put in elevators in every single subway station throughout the city. Um, uh, um, if I might just finish real quick, the um, I know they were talking about Coleman de Blasio putting up an extension on the Second Avenue line, right. which okay, yeah, that's great, but it's going to cost something uh, close to like three billion dollars. Yeah. Why don't we take the money that you're going to spend for all of these new additions or like Fix the re- switches? Yeah, exactly. Or like retiling the system. I mean, that $3 billion, if I recall correctly, would have been almost enough to replace the entire signal system in New yeah. York City. I mean, why can't we find something like that? And if you're trying to earmark funds for this um, to put it towards things that are necessary, you know, making, every, making all the subway stations ADA compliant. I would like to point out that there is an elevator coming to 86th Street in Bay Ridge. They currently mm-hmm. they started trans they started construction on it. It'll cost 17.9 million dollars. It'll take two years for one subway. For one elevator. One, I mean, sorry, one elevator. Just one elevator at one station. That's ridiculous. And I'm- the thing is, it's like the ADA was passed in 1990. Chicago, since it was passed. Uh, almost all of their stations are current. Their their entire system is ADA compliant. Everything has 100% features, but their stations, about 75% have elevators. And in 20 years, they intend to have it 100% compliant mm-hmm. with the ADA. Boston's the same thing. Only they're closer to 90, mm-hmm. but 85, 90, somewhere in there. But the, on their website, they even say it. New York City is less than 25%. And I admit, that's the only time I'm going to allow Boston to say anything about New York. <laughs> but you said because New York is supposed to be the leader, we're the supposed, greatest city in the country. We're su- we can only be the greatest city when we accommodate everybody. And elevators are for everybody. Mm-hmm. They're just not for our disabled citizens. They're for our elderly or our parents with young children or people who have packages that they can't maneuver the mm-hmm. stairs correctly. It's just like, it's for everybody, but it's not enough that you have them. You have to keep them clean, and you have to keep them working. I, I spoke with Monica Bartley from CIDNY, mm-hmm. and she's just like, the condition of them are shameful. Urine, feces are broken all the time. It's just terrible. Well, yes, yeah, so I'd I like to see how many of those um, elevators that we have actually do work, too. Cause... They don't. It's, if you go to um, MTA Info, <laughs> Accessibility. It gives you a list of what's broken and what's available, right. and most of them are always broken. And I believe a part of that, too, is just the um, wrong focus from uh, our elected officials, both in the city and Albany, since you know, ultimately Albany has the final decision on um, the MTA um, here, uh, to not kind of work step in step with a lot of the development that's been coming here into um, New York. Um, I think that they have wrongly focused on legislation and, and spending and tax expenditures on the overdevelopment, um, which has put that additional strain onto the um, uh, onto our subway system and diverted funds away from all that, giving too much of a tax break to developers. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, literally, for uh, 421A, for example, the luxury tax abatement for developers, a billion and a half dollars every single year. Yeah. 
know, stuff like that. You know, like, you know, finding one incentivize, you know, the, um, you know, affordable housing, the right kind of development, you know, not what's by, going on here in the by city. The, by building those towers where no one's going to live in them because they're just basically like tax shelters for Exactly. Other well, that, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> and, and I completely am um, against what's going on right now here in the city. But I believe that the city's, um, you know, diversion away from the MTA and focusing on trying to bring in all this type of money um, has allowed the MTA to get into such decay when, you know, for the last... 20 years, I mean, 421A has been in existence since the 70s, um, but I'd say the MTA has really taken a hit in the last two decades. Now, we could have reformed that legislation. I mean, they just renewed 421A a couple of years ago. Why couldn't we have done a much more curtailed version if that's what they, we, the people, still really wanted to do, and then divert those funds to um, you know, upgrading the entire system? I mean, uh, we have all this development that's coming in here, too, you know, that puts on the strain and also on the environment. That's true. And which leads me to this. What will you do to make sure those in Albany use allocated MTA funds honestly and usefully and not divert it to other projects? Well, for me, one of the things that I really want to do is I want to get rid of the luxury tax abatement. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, I don't think that many New Yorkers will stand up and say, yeah, we need more glass towers. <laughs> uh, and I think that the tax abatement that the developers get is extremely generous for the wrong type of housing that we need. Um, and it brings in the wrong types of businesses that New Yorkers no longer want. Um, you know, we don't need any more Dwayne Reeds and bank branches and, uh, you know, Gucci's all over the place. Um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Dwayne Reed or Gucci and all that stuff, but we don't need one in every single block. Um, so I, I would get rid of a lot of the tax expenditures that cost the city and the state billions of dollars, bringing in the wrong type of um, development that New Yorkers no longer want. Um, I would go through with a fine-tooth comb and uh, have Albany, uh, you know, put pressure on the um, board of the MTA um, to do an independent third-party review of the entire budget, and, and I would put there a number on there. I mean, we can all sit down and say, you know, realistically, we think that we can come up with a, you know, 15% savings, you know, freeze the budget at its current levels, and we need to do essentially an audit of the whole system um, before we raise fares on anyone else, before we raise taxes on people here, because, yeah. you know, nobody wants to pay for a uh, failing system. No. In an already extremely high tax state. Yeah. Um, so find the savings within the budget. Force the MTA to reform itself. You know, bring in a third party if we have to help. Yeah. Um, really get them um, into high gear. Bring in auditors from Boston and Chicago. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and say, here, you guys. Uh, uh, nothing I think is going to irk New Yorkers more than having somebody from Boston telling us how to run our subway. <laughs> so they run theirs, even though it's all. It is older than ours, mm -hmm. and we've taken bad ideas from. Boston mm -hmm. that weren't effective right. like when they took those seats away from the a train they removed seats in the a train thinking that more people would just make room for more people all they did was move over to the c train <laughs> and the thing was Boston did that and Boston said I don't know why you did that because we're, we're cycling those trains out or we're putting back in the trains with the appropriate seating because people didn't want to ride in there and stand for right. like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. So I don't know why New York did that. So it's just like this comical thing. We're taking bad ideas from other places mm -hmm. thinking that they'll work here. Right. And they don't. Exactly. So yeah, I would say, you no, know, a third party audit, I would say, you no, know, let's put a number on there. Let's figure out you know, what a 10 or 15% savings goal would be that we can have um, to uh, you know, reapply the funds with that's already in the system. So we don't have to raise fares and taxes on people to start those you know, much needed upgrades. Um, and I would look at a lot of the tax expenditures that are here in the city. My, my biggest one that I'm against is 421A that costs the city billions of dollars you know, and reallocate it back into that before we even have one conversation about raising fares um, anymore on people.
How would you like to address the lack of proper communication between the governor and the mayor? Ooh. <laughs> well, that's a very, uh, I would say that's probably one of the most transparent things in our government right now is how much the two of them don't like each other. I know. It's, um, it's shameful. It really, it's embarrassing to not only the city, but the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the most influential states and one of the most influential cities and the two leaders of those um, the respective areas have no communication with one another. I think that's where it comes down to the city council and to Albany to kind of force that conversation to be had because, yeah, a lot of the purse strings come from Albany, but no, really it's the mayor and our elected representatives here in the city and and us that take it every single day that are going to know more intimately where the problems are. And if it's coming from some bureaucrat that lives all the way upstate by senators, half of which don't live down here, um, how do they know where... Now, how much funding is going to possibly be needed, what the real um, you know, immediate changes that need to be done. So if there isn't that communication, it's going to, again, go back to, like you said earlier, you know, just poor decisions going to be made over and over again, and we're still going to be in the same problem over the next decade. Well, that's, what's, that's the problem with the MTA. It's the fact mm-hmm. that decades of poor decision-making coupled with just throwing good money after bad mm-hmm. and just doing the same thing, this endless cycle of, like, well, let's just do this and mm-hmm. see what happens. And it's just like... You've done this, or you've taken this idea. It's a bad idea. Stop doing this idea, and stop throwing good money after bad. Right. Just invest it properly, correctly, and everything might turn out okay. Exactly. So I think one of the things, I guess, to help with that communication, what I would suggest is um, maybe even making um, the mayor of New York a, a, you know, a voting member on the MTA. Um, or have some final say so that the governor of New York and the, go- um, and the mayor of New York City are kind of forced to have a conversation because both of them have you know, decision-making authority. And then I guess you can you know, put it a, a, thir- an inter- uh, a third member, so maybe someone from the Senate or the Assembly or you know, whoever the people want to you know, elect. Maybe it could be a new position that we put in there and the three of them can have tiebreakers or conversations or you know, whatever it is. But... I think that would be one of the areas that we could start into is consider giving the mayor more power so that the governor doesn't just steamroll them. And, and then vice versa. You know, right. The MTA does go above beyond um, you know, just the city, and it affects you know, all the counties here yep. in New York. It services 15.3 million people, and that includes one other state, which is Connecticut. <clears throat> right. So there needs, to be that converse- there needs to be that dialogue back and forth between Albany and the, the city. I know some people have said, well, it should just really be a city's... Um, solely in the city's jurisdiction, I said, well, then you kind of you know, cut out the other half of the population that's taking it on a daily basis. I think this is more about how can we foster communication and collaboration. And uh, one of those areas is to uh, give more power to um, the mayor, in this case, to be able to do all that. Sure. Whoever it is, not de Blasio or you know, whoever the next right. guy might be. That's true. Let's talk fair fares, which is a great initiative, mm-hmm. but do you think it does enough to help lower-income citizens who make this city run and do you think it's appropriate to raise fares next year? Uh, I don't think it does enough, and I do not think it's appropriate to raise fares. I think that the MTA not, uh, needs to prove itself that it can get itself back on track and run things efficiently. Um, I, I believe most people are, don't mind paying for something if it works. True. It runs properly. I'd like to know where my $121 goes every month. Exactly. Um, but for me, ideally, uh, what I say is, you no, know, New Yorkers pay so much in tax already. My, 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 my pie-in-the-sky dream is making the MTA free for everybody. Um, and I do believe that that's something that's possible if we were to review all the budgets and come up with those saving, cost-saving measures. And I believe that a second area that we could look into is potentially some emissions credits paid towards the MTA from um, 
the biggest users of our airspace. Um, you know, the MTA should be rewarded as the greenest thing that New York City has um, for not doing a bad thing. And not that the bad thing that they're not doing is polluting our air, and it's actually taking people off of the streets. Um, and if we were to do all that, and we have, let's say, some of the you know, big um, corporate polluter, uh, polluters out there, so let's say like the Lyft, um, uh, the rideshare apps, or, or some of the um, oil and gas companies that are taking up that airspace, Know, paying a, a credit towards the MTA for allowing them to use you know, uh, what's legally allowed to them by the federal government. Um, I think that's one area that we could look into. Um, and kind of addresses the um, fair fares. Uh, I think it was the, what, $170 million that the city had earmarked to subsidize a lot of the fares for low-income people. <coughs> you know, it's great in theory, but what is the long-term cost to all of that? And if we're not addressing how we can actually um, reform and make the system run more efficiently from not just the trains running on time but the bureaucracy running um, better you know, with cost saving measures um, it's not really going to accomplish anything now you're just adding on another um, line item to the budget that's going to balloon uh, yeah. as the city starts to grow so I think one of the things we look at is um, aside from freeze, freezing and reducing the budget um, look at a potential emissions credit to fund um, the MTA uh, I think we could also look at more federal grants to be able to pay for all that um, and see where that crossover point would be, where you know, what income is coming in from um, daily commuters can be replaced by the other programs um, through those efficiency measures. And then if that's the case, and we're able to do that, um, uh, then it gets rid of the whole fair, um, fair fares um, initiative, because then it's free for everybody. And then you take off a huge economic burden for people, which costs us thousands of dollars a year. Um, so I think that's one of the things that we need to look at. And, um, Maybe even uh, one of the other ideas uh, that I was flirting with that may or may not work, I don't know, um, would, let's say, uh, maybe having some private companies sponsor individual stations um, that the community can then come in and you know, design and call, uh, paint up themselves and uh, have, you know, get community involvement in. But um, you know, let's say, for example, big company X wants to sponsor the 42nd Street stations um, for the year, mm -hmm. or for like a five-year period, then that's where the city and the state can come in and say, okay, fine, we'll do that, and uh, it's going to run you $25 million a year, and you can you know, um, put your ads up in a tasteful way with the community involvement, so talk with the community boards and you know, make it decorative and whatever it is so that you know, it doesn't feel like we're just walking through um, you know, uh, X company plaza all day long. But then I would also say, too, you know, a part of all that is you're going to chip in for some of the maintenance of those stations as well. Of course. Well. I mean, and then the further reduce yeah. our budget. So uh, you know, if you add up a lot of these other initiatives, because no one thing is ever going to solve no. it. So no. I say, you know, if we look at some of these initiatives and start putting them into place, you know, how can we take off some of the burden from the people, from um, the MTA itself, from the government, you know, how other multiple facets that we can come in here? I believe that we can come up with enough uh, of a new income stream where we could make it um, fair for everybody. And uh, at least for me, I think you know, we pay taxes to have this thing run as it is, and they can't operate within the confines of you know, what we allow them to have. Um, now let's look at somewhere else so that we can you know, get rid of the fares altogether. Okay, which leads me into this. What are your thoughts on congestion pricing? And one could argue that if the trains ran, ride-hailing apps would not even be necessary in Midtown. In the outer boroughs, sure. Right. But in Midtown, there'd be no need for them. Right. Uh, I'm against congestion pricing okay. just because I believe it's a symptom of um, the underlying issue. Okay. Uh, you're punishing New Yorkers for taking, uh, you know, let's say the ride-sharing apps or taking the cars um, because you can't make the MTA run efficiently. 
I mean, for years now, ridership has been decreasing um, you know, throughout the uh, MTA system. And I believe that this is just another issue where they're trying to bring on, they're trying to fix, uh, bring Band-Aids to fix a broken leg instead yes. of actually trying to fix the broken leg. Right. What I want to do is figure out how can we actually fix the broken leg so the whole city can start walking again. Yes. Um, or in this case, you know, uh, <laughs> running from on time. Getting point A to point yeah, B running safely. On time. And, on and time. if we were to do all that, I mean, I love the subway. Uh, I rarely ever get into a cab or in any of the ride-sharing apps because no, I think that's one of the great things about New York. Um, no, but it is frustrating. Now, if it ran on time, and I'd go into it even more instead of walking or, or taking it into a cab. If I knew that I wasn't going to sit at the Rector Street station, you know, guessing if the you know, three minutes on the board is actually three minutes or... You, when the train ever decides to actually come. Well, you know what the fun part about all those things are? The fancy screens at some stations, the countdown clocks, the website, and the app all run on different platforms, So, and they don't communicate with each other. It's efficiency at its best. So you just have, <laughs> yeah. so you just have all these, you have four different departments dealing with these four different things. Mm -hmm. None of them communicate with each other. So it just becomes this epic choose-your-own-adventure game. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just—it's just like it's so frustrating. Half the time, the, the countdown clocks don't work. Well, I've been and at a station where the countdown clocks been at three minutes for twenty minutes. Yeah, it's like I just—it's like I hate Twitter. I mean, I joined Twitter for the two thousand sixteen election. I stayed uh, to harass the MTA. But, <laughs> I think most people are. Yeah, but basically, it's like okay, so I've been—I've been standing here, and it's been three minutes for about three songs on Patti LaBelle's record. So <laughs> I know it's more than three minutes. So you want to tell me when this train is coming? Mm -hmm. That'd be nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I agree. Would you like to comment on the recent assaults on MTA employees? Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no reason to, to attack anybody, period. Yes, we're all frustrated, especially when we're sitting on a train stuck between stations for half an hour. They're stuck with us. And it's not their fault. It's not. They happen to work for an organization that allowed the system to degrade to this level. It's, exactly. They're trapped with us. They're trying to get us out safely. Yeah. So, you know, stop doing if, that. If it, if it was the MTA board of Cuomo, then maybe. No, I'm, no, just, no, I'm just no, joking. No, I'm just joking. No one should hit anybody. But, yeah, no, no, but at the end of the day, no, uh, everything's become so partisan and violent. No, uh, there's no reason for anybody to have to go and hit somebody else. No, use your words and, and you know, have a conversation with them. And if you don't like what's going on, then just vote for somebody else that you, know, you feel is in their best interest that can bring those changes to you. But you know, attacking someone accomplishes nothing. And again, the, they don't know anything either because the MTA isn't talking to them either. Yeah, a lot so, of the times they're as no so clueless as we are. <laughs> that's, that's why they don't have information. So when the booth agents, when you ask the booth agents a question mm -hmm. and they don't have an answer for you, it's not like they're trying to be rude or anything. It's just that the MTA isn't communicating with them, so they don't know why the train isn't coming. They don't know why the train's stuck. They don't know anything because no one's telling them anything. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a surprise to them when you're just like, well, it's just stuck there. <laughs> it's, it's just stuck down the tunnel. It has a, yeah, the I, can light, see the, I can see the headlights. The, the lights are on, but no one's coming. And they're like, well, I have no idea. I'm like, okay, thanks for playing. All right. Yeah, I mean, we're all in it together. So, like, we're there's all no in reason. These tin cans together. Exactly. There's no reason to get violent. No, just sit down and relax. Everyone has their smartphones now. So, you listen to music and, you know, t I, I say, you no, know, as frustrating as it is, you know, just take that time as like, you know, a mini, uh, mini vacation from the real <laughs> world. <laughs> Let's talk transit deserts. Will you work with fellow congresspeople, senators, city council, borough presidents to help those in the Bronx that don't have city bike, have lack of trains and unreliable buses, 
Queens, which is a massive transit desert as well, mm -hmm. and pockets of South Brooklyn and little pockets of Brooklyn, and Staten Island, who is more isolated than any of us, and it takes about an hour and a half for them to get anywhere. Right. So how would you like to address the transit desert situation, and how would you like to bring relief to these people? Help them out. Yeah. Well, again, uh, never a simple issue. Uh, but that is something where it comes down to, you know, you have to have the conversation with everyone. Um, I believe that there isn't enough communication between anybody from, uh, even within the Senate and the City Council itself. Um, you know, start by bringing back the conversation and reaching out, regardless of whatever the political affiliation is, and um, you know, go to all these neighborhoods. Talk to the community boards. Now, probably, they have their finger on the pulse uh, probably better than most people do, um, certainly than a lot of the electeds will ever uh, have. True, um, that's true. So you no, know, one is you no. Know, you have to have that communication that's brought back to actually learn. You know where are you know, where are the hot spots within those you no know, transit deserts. You know that you know seeing that uh, that, that that need the most relief. You know, uh, and then come up with a plan. You know, in short term it might be just adding a couple of uh, you know, green energy buses that can go up and uh, start servicing those areas. You know, for the short term, um, that'll alleviate some of those issues. While the city then starts working on um, you know, alternative plans to you know, ex either start extending um, MTA um, routes there, and maybe it doesn't even have to be underground subway. We can build above grounds. We can put I in streetcars. Yeah, I, I've I've been saying it for a long time now. It's just put in streetcars. They're easier to maintain, mm -hmm. easier to build, easier to build, easier to maintain. If it craps out, you can just jump off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then we're stuck in between stations. Right. Can we talk Penn Station? Yes. It's a very important station here in the city. So many people come in through through Amtrak, New Jersey Transit, LIRR. It's kind of the seventh circle of hell at this point. Oh yeah. What are your thoughts on the current state of Penn Station, and what are your suggestions for improvement? We know that they're planning on moving across the street but that's like five years from now. In the interim, how would you like to address you know, the current situation and try to make it better? Now that one, talk about a third rail. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so sad. It's so dark and sad. It's, it, well, it, 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 it was and sad. De and derailments. Derailments, but it, it was sad from day one when they yeah. knocked down the old Penn Station and put up that monstrosity. Yeah, there's, there's no windows. Yeah, no, it's very depressing, and you know, I have family that lives in Jersey, so I go through Penn Station on occasion to try and get to them, and every single time I just regret it. <laughs> That's when I'd almost rather just pay the $200 fare to <laughs> get into a cab and go across the river. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it comes down to, and it's you know, the kind of the similar theme that's you know, been um, rampant throughout the entire system. It, it's just, it's corruption. It, it's the lack of communication. It's the lack of transparency that's been going on there. And you know, a lot of um, the opaqueness that, uh, and, uh, that the city hasn't really either owned up to it or, or started speaking to the community about you know, what's going on you know, to start putting in these issues. I would say most of the problems that we have here could have been addressed 20 years ago. Yeah. If that's something, and it could have been a fraction of the problems that we have right now. True. And I'd say number one, our biggest problem right now in government is the lack of communication. True. And that's what needs to start. Otherwise, you know, moving forward in terms of how to fix it, again, at this point, it, it's just going to suck for everybody. We're going to have to shut it down. We're going to have to move it just like the L train. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of other areas that will pop up in the next couple of years. Well, I've told everybody the only way to fully fix the system is shut down tunnels a section at, the, a, section at a time mm -hmm. in one borough and work on it for five or six years, and you're gonna, we're all going to have to figure out a way to slog through it because that's the only way to fix a tunnel. Mm -hmm. You can't just shut it down on a weekend and in the evenings and expect everything to be kosher 
the next morning. Well, yeah, now you, now you just went from three to five years to yeah. ten to because question mark. Because that's one of the reasons, one of the problems I have with Andy Byford's plan with the switches and signals. He mm -hmm. plans to do all the work on the weekends and in the evenings. It's not going to go well the next morning during rush hour. Right. So it's just like, you're, it, you'd be, it would behoove you to just shut down the tunnel. Mm hmm and just plan for that. Right. Well, same thing with the whole MTA system. You, you know, pick one end of the line and then just shut down the. I'd say the sh shut down three stations at a time. Yeah. Have buses take you the last three stops, and then you just kind of slowly work your way down the entire line um, you know, until the whole system's updated. Uh, it's yeah, again, it's going to be inconvenient for people that are affected by those particular stations, but it's going to move a, you know, a lot faster. In the meantime, and especially if we bring some more transparency to our bidding process, where it's oh, not definitely. this pay-to-play, we can probably do it for a fraction of the cost. Um, and then I would even put it in there in timelines. I don't know why the city isn't saying if you don't finish this within a year and a half, like you quoted, you start paying us, or we go and find somebody else that's going to do it. Yeah, why not? But you know, it's your friends, so you can't do that with your friends. Well, again, if you make it transparent and make this very you know it's public, not, you know it's I know not it's, your friend. It, 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 exactly. comes out, it comes out later. <laughs> it's like five years later when it's still happening. You're just yeah, like, after why after they left DOS, it's like, oh, okay, oh, that's why okay. it costs so much. And then, that's why it took forever. <laughs> and that's why you see like all these senators are just indicted on corruption and and uh, yeah, there are a lot of people in Albany right now that are under indictment and for exactly going that, to so. jail and all that <laughs> stuff. But uh, yeah. Did you know that the MTA cleans the trains every eight to 10 weeks? They are also planning on cutting down on cleaning services. And they're also planning on um, cutting down on select bus services because of budget constraints. What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I didn't know that they cleaned it every eight to 10 it's weeks. An, because it's, it, there was an article in the New York Times where they followed them around. It takes one person three and a half hours. So every two to two and a half months, they do a deep clean of the train. At the end of the line, they sweep them out, but they actually only clean them every eight to ten weeks. Could have fooled me. <laughs> I like to bring that up every uh, podcast because it's gross. No, it, it's it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, most of the stations. It's look a public like health issue. Yeah, most of the stations like they're out in district unless you're on the Second Avenue or the Seventh uh, Seven Train Extension, um, and then to say that they're gonna. Uh, cut it back because of budgetary cuts. I don't think anybody on the board or any of the other senior level executives over there have taken a budget cut uh, into the salary. And they keep hiring all these people. They keep hiring people in C-suite at like six six figures a year. They find money for you know East Side access. They find money for all these things, but they can't provide adequate cleaning services. They're thinking about cutting select bus services. One of them is to Staten Island for the Staten Island Ferry overnight service. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of like adding all these burdens to people who are just trying to live their lives. Right. All it's going to accomplish is it's going to compound the problems that we have and it's going to make it even worse. And yeah. now you're going to want to make the subways even dirtier and they don't run on time. And then we're going to be stuck in between tunnels or stuck at the station for half an hour surrounded by filth. This goes back to what I was saying before. You know, we kind of we need to freeze the budget that the MTA has and really do a comprehensive review of what's going on, and say why did you hire ten other C level uh, executives at you know, the tune of ten fifteen million dollars a year when you take benefits and all that into play that costs the city? You know, when you could have put that towards you know having more maintenance crews going down, putting it towards um, fixing the signals or having a, a doing more frequent cleans throughout the stations. I really do wish that the MTA would remember that they are in the service industry and they are in service to us.
Mm-hmm. And that's and it just bothers me that they think so. It really goes to show how little they think of us <laughs> when they clean the trains every two and a half months. It just goes to show how you, they think of you and how they think of me. Exactly. Well, and if this was an airline, they would have gone out of business decades ago. True. That is true. So if you could have <coughs> Andy Byford, Governor Cuomo, and Joe Loda in a room, and you could tell, and you would tell them how to fix it, what would be your top three things in order to fix the problems, make it better, an actual doable plan? Uh, one, I would say you're going to freeze your budget, and you're going to do a mandatory self-evaluation, or, or we're going to bring in a third party, um, and uh, your goal is to find as close as you can a 20% savings in the entire budget. And I'd say that's, that's number one. You're okay. going to lay off C-level executives um, if that's what we need to, or, or um, you know, as long as we don't affect the, the service end of it, you know, the, the actual drivers and kiosks. So I'd say freeze it, find the, 20%, find the 20% savings, number one. Number two, I would explore what it would look like if you were to have you know, private companies come in there and be able to sponsor you know, a series of stations to help supplement some of all that so that we can keep fare levels um, uh, frozen for a while. And like I said, in my ideal world, Figure out how we might be able to step, start stepping down the fares, um, since we already get funded by taxpayer dollars. Um, and then three, we're going to look, we're going to do a complete review of your entire um, bid process and bring more transparency back. Um, I think that the state of emergency is a joke. Um, it is in a state of uh, it, it, it is in severe issue, state of emergency, whatever you want to call act, it. The, act, the action plan, yeah, the quote but, unquote action exactly. plan. Exactly, but it's a joke and, it, and it's an abuse of the taxpayers. It's actually really shameful. When um, you really read about it, you've really seen what they've done with it for the past year and what three months since they declared a state of emergency. Right. Well, there's there's no oversight, so there, I could say isn't. that you know for me to go and clean windows is a million dollars, and then you just sign off and you don't have questions asked why, and then I can go back to you and say, well, I need another million dollars because I uh, messed up my initial budget, and then they just signed off on it. Um, that's what happened with um, you no know, the seven line and some of the stations in Queens. They just finished updating some of those a couple of years ago, and now they went back to the MTA for more money. And I believe this was over the summer, and then they just signed off on all of it because it's a state of emergency. So I would say you know, you're bringing more transparency back to that. Um, uh, get rid of the state of emergency. You know, it might take a little bit longer with the bid process, but at least we know where all of our money is going. Um, and really to see if there is any pay-to-play that's going on there and see if that starts to bring some of our costs down and make it more competitive. Okay. In our remaining time, is there anything that you would like to express or say about your district, the city, and not just the MTA? Uh, well, I think it's the greatest city in the world, <laughs> and I think that uh, my district is the best district of all that in Lower Manhattan and, and West Brooklyn. Um, I'm a huge history nerd, and there's tons of history here. Um, all the neighborhoods here are so varied. It's great to you know, be able to walk five minutes and come across so many different cultures and smells and types of shops. Um, and I want to be able to preserve all that. I want to keep what you know, makes not just District 26 unique, but all of New York City unique. You know, bring back... Know, bipartisan conversation to the center and really start listening to the people, start working to bring you know, the right type of development focused on affordable housing, bringing back small businesses here and, and you know, creating a level playing field for them to compete against the big guys, um, you know, looking at how we can make things run more efficiently, forcing compliance with you know, our environmental laws here so that we have clean air and clean water and that our sewage systems aren't backed up, you know, and that we do everything smartly so that you know, as the city starts to grow and our population increases, that the MTA can grow along with it. Um, and ultimately make everything um, transparent, you know, everything based on communication so that it's not just 26, um, but the entire city and the entire state. You know, and lead the way 
know, and show you know the rest of the country and the world that you know this is what a you know, major metropolitan area um, you know is and can be, um, and, and be that you know, shining beacon on a hill. Great. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thank you. So what did we learn today from Anthony? Once again, the state of the MTA is abysmal. One of the reasons it's abysmal is a lack of transparency with how money is allocated and spent. Anthony wants to force transparency so the MTA will be forced to tell us where our money goes, who are building the projects, and how long will these projects take. With this transparency comes accountability, and they do need to be held accountable. Also, more importantly, along with transparency, there needs to be proper and effective communication. The MTA needs to learn how to communicate plans and builds so the community is aware, so we know what was, is happening. When we know what is happening, we can make proper alternative arrangements. This city gets so angry with the MTA because nothing is effectively communicated. Proper communication needs to be in place for a much happier city. Anthony believes that raising fares next year is a mistake. I think we can all agree on that. No fares should be raised for subpar service. The MTA cannot raise fares until they can prove that they can get us from point A to B safely, efficiently, and effectively. So therefore... New revenue streams need to be created. While Anthony does not support congestion pricing, he does support getting rid of tax abatements for luxury builders and force them to pay fair taxes that will go to the MTA, the trains, and the buses. Also, perhaps, maybe, have companies adopt, so to speak, a station. They can lease a station for a period of years, and they can help maintain it which is great PR. Anthony wants to provide a cleaner, more efficient, cost-effective, and more transparent MTA. All of his ideas are certainly doable and achievable. We should consider them. I encourage any politician to talk to me. I may not agree with you politically, but we can still talk transit and the MTA. Color, creed, sexual orientation, or political affiliation doesn't matter. We are all just trying to get to work. Election Day is this Tuesday, November 6th. Also vote. Get out and vote. If you have not registered to vote, register to vote, although it is too late to register for this coming election. But you can register at any time because elections happen all the time so you can help make decisions for your life. Please register to vote. You can pick up a registration form at any municipal office. You can call 1-866-VOTE-NYC and they will send you a registration form and you can mail it back. You can also register online. Go to Board of City Elections in the City of New York and you can register there. As Bob Schieffer's mother used to say, get out and vote. It makes you feel big and strong. For those youngins who don't know Bob Schieffer, get your Google on and Google him. I used to watch him every Sunday morning on my Sunday morning nerd show, Face the Nation. Anyway, regardless, go out and vote. Let your voice be heard.